It's time for the Tri-County Equipment Get Stuck on Sports Podcast. Here are your hosts, Dennis Stuckey and Brady Beaton. All right, welcome all aboard on a uh, Monday, the uh, day after uh, districts have been played for baseball and softball, and we finally got it organized to the point where we can start thinking about regionals now, not that it's any less confusing, uh, Brady. In fact, we, we spent quite a bit of time already uh, today just trying to figure out where the heck we should end up this week, but uh, we'll get into that as the week goes on. We're getting closer. June 25th is the golf outing. Please get your team signed up now rather than later because later is going to be too late. And we have you can win brand-new golf bag. We have, uh, we have Tigers tickets you can win, local apparel. There's a lot of nice stuff. Uh, golf bag courtesy of Golf Country, local apparel from TP Logos. You know it's going to be some good stuff, but Dennis – um, before we get into everything going on in the area, there's a few teams that we don't cover that I want to give a little bit of love to in baseball. One team I thought, and if you've listened to us for any amount of time, you'd think I would have never given them a pat on the back the way I usually talk I, I'm about I'm still them. waiting because I think it's just going to be an offhanded compliment. No, it will not be. Detroit Edison and Madison Heights Lamphere had two of the Bigger upsets in the state on Saturday. Detroit Edison knocks out Liggett in the first game of districts. So a state champion from last year, a team that you said had, when you saw them, had seven D1 signees yep. in their five, starting lineup. Five going to Michigan, one going to Michigan State, and one going to Texas. Lost to Detroit Edison in the first round. Madison Heights Lampfear. Now, this one, well, that one is related because we have teams that could possibly match up with them down the road. And Lampfear knocks off Detroit Country Day, a top five team in Division Two at Country Day, six to three. And Lampfear is helping clearing the path in Division Two. That's a team that, remember, Marine City beat them to win the Matt Gold. And Lampfear upsets a top five team to win a district. That's huge. And we'll get into that more because those two can both have effects on teams down the road. But Dennis, you're right. We're looking at the board. Um, it's not too often that we have, what, six options to pick from to go to somewhere on a regional Saturday, potentially. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it, it could be some fun. I still hate the way baseball does it, but they do it and I got to live with it. Pre-regional on Wednesday, then regional quarterfinal on the same day. Yes, don't like that, but we'll start with softball because you saw a bloodbath of a district and, well, some teams just kept winning. And we'll get to that in just a moment. When you run with us on a Gator UTV, the engine has your full attention. The herd takes notice. And the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marshall and Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotive, 
automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800-250-7520. Buying or selling a home? You need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no-obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810-364-87. For all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty. Small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. If your windows stick, (laughs) slip, (laughs) squeak, or leak, replace them with Anderson windows. With low E-glass, low-maintenance exteriors, and rich wood interiors, standard and custom sizes, they can turn simple window replacement into serious home improvement. Uh. Hi, Chip Mortimer here, inviting you to experience the difference at Mortimer Lumber. Our expert staff will be here to help before, during, and after the sale. Stop by Mortimer Lumber, 24th and Lapeer Avenue in Brady Port Huron. Brady here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at advscu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Garrett Clean by Bachelor has been faithfully serving the Blue Water area for over 25 years. Whether you are commercial or residential, if you need carpet cleaning, stain removal, upholstered furniture, drapery, or air duct cleaning, call Garrett Clean by Bachelor at 810-982-7044 and talk to Mike about their aerated foam process that allows carpet and furniture to dry quickly. From pet stains to odor removal to water damage cleaning and restoration, there's only one call you need to make. Garrett Clean by Bachelor, 810-982-7044. 44 Duraclean by Bachelor. Magnet International is North America's largest auto supplier and now calls the Blue Water area home. Our new plant, located on Range Road in St. Clair, will have great opportunities for all members of the community. Named to Fortune Magazine's World Most Admired Companies two years in a row, Magna offers many different career opportunities. Wages start from $17 and up. Go to magna.com forward slash careers to apply today. Again, magna.com forward slash careers to join our team 
and create the future of mobility together. The YMCA of the Blue Water area is pleased to announce a Night of Champions Thursday, September 15th at 6 p.m. at the McMorrin Arena in downtown Port Huron. Eight-time Emmy Award winner Mike Doc Emmerich will host with special guests, activities, food, and both live and silent auctions. Tickets must be purchased in advance and are available at the YMCA, 1525 3rd Street in Port Huron. Cost is $100 per person or $1,000 for a table. For more information on a Night of Champions with Mike Doc Emmerich, call the Y at 810-987-6400, extension 132. Hello, this is Tim Sheridan, owner of Sheridan Real Estate and Insurance in Lexington, a family tradition that started back in 1925 with Grandpa Sheridan. Promoting trust, care, and excellence, Sheridan is dedicated to understanding and taking care of all your needs. Respected throughout the community and dedicated, Sheridan is a proud supporter of local activities like high school athletics. For all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome back, Dennis and Brady. We'll start with the uh, ladies in softball, and I'm going to go back to Friday and then just work our way through till Saturday. On uh, Friday, the uh, districts began for the uh, ladies uh, at Romeo. Uh, where Anchor Bay defeated uh, Port Huron High ten to nothing in the first semifinal. Romeo edged Eisenhower five to four in the second semifinal, and then in the final, Anchor Bay beat Romeo in a slugfest, twelve to eight. So the uh, Lady Tars win their district and uh, move on uh, through. Uh, elsewhere, it was Marlette beating Brown City twelve to seven, but then losing to Kingston. 10 to nothing. Uh, so Kingston ended up winning that softball district and uh, still up in the uh, thumb. Deckerville took it to Carsonville Port Sandlac 22 to 2. Jeez. Ubley all over Harbor Beach 11 to 3. And then Ubley finished it off with a 12 to win over Deckerville. So um, that one was kind of a wild tournament in the fact that the closest game was eight runs. Yeah. And you mentioned a 22-2 to two win. That wasn't even the biggest blowout of the districts. No. And I will have a question for you when that comes up, but I'm assuming you're going to go to your district next? Yeah, we're gonna, we'll are gonna we go to um, Marysville, where we had St. Clair, Armada, Marine City, and Marysville. We winners were, of the white, really? second place in the white, winners of the blue, and a team that had to play in the BWAC the entire year, yeah, which and, and, deflated and, their record a little. Yeah, and, and they're not that bad of a team. But I'm going to tell you what St. Clair did here. <clears throat> they uh, they rolled up their sleeves. Sorry if we sound hoarse. It was just a lot. <clears throat> yeah, a lot six, of games, six games each over which two days. Was, I, I was on the air, I think, for 14 hours <laughs> over <laughs> the two days. So, yeah. My Saturday wasn't as bad. Um, all my games were under two hours on Saturday. I didn't have a single game under two hours. But, a single broadcast. I think but, game – my, yeah, my, my Friday games just kept going and going. And I had, like, there were no wild games. I had good right. pitched games. Uh, anyways, St. Clair just kind of went, okay, Armada, you're pretty good. Marysville, you're good. Marine City, you're good. But you know what? We're better than all of you. And they just kind of pumped their muscles they hit the ball out of the ballpark. They had uh, five doubles and a home run 
in four at-bats against Armada and scored 11 runs. They then uh, went out and pumped four home runs against Marine City and scored 12 more runs, uh, and they were just dominant. Uh, they got three runs right off the bat, their first four hitters of the game. Matty Cole, a one-hop double off the fence. Uh, and after Hadley Schwartz moved her over to third, Avery Paul, a one-hop double off the fence. Claire Borg, an opposite field home run almost out onto Huron Avenue. Like, it, it made it to the sidewalk. <laughs> and that's a that's a decent ways over the right right field fence? Yeah, right yeah. field fence. Yeah, uh, and that that's opposite field for her. Um, she ended up going three for three in the game with three runs scored and two RBIs. She had the single, the double, and the home run and didn't get the fourth at bat. Uh, Maddie Cole, two doubles, a single, two runs scored, four RBIs. Her second double came with the bases loaded, clearing the uh, the bases. Uh, and it was just uh, it was just a cha-cha line, three in the first, one in the second, six in the third, and one more in the uh, the fourth. Uh, and they win it 11 to nothing. Paul goes five innings, gives up two hits, didn't walk anybody, struck out four, only allowed three base runners. Yeah. Uh, one, one, one reached on an error. The, 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 that's the Saints Paul. had the audacity to make an error in the game <laughs> or they would have had an unblemished four-and-a-half innings in the first game. So not a lot to talk about there. Alexa Kaunaki is a good hitter, uh, and she hit a bullet double out down the right field uh, line. Um, and, again, we don't do a lot of Armada games, but they have two or three really nice players. But, again, the way the BWAC was stacked this year, they don't have the pitching to compete, and they don't have the pitching to compete with a St. Clair. Well, yes. St. Clair, I'll, I'll tell you something that I said to you off the air, I think, a week ago that we'll talk about after this because – this Marysville Marine City matchup had us intrigued, and one of the first questions I had is, who's going to pitch? Because each side has two arms that you could very easily see going. There's a lot of different possibilities about what the pitching matchup would be, and, well, it was your second game. Tell us about it. Well, we had Dietlin against Bassett, and here's the interesting thing. Marysville had a base runner in every single inning of the game, but didn't score until the seventh. So how many did they leave on base? Not to put you on the they, spot. They, lo- they left seven on base. Yeah. Here, here, here's their game against Dietland. Fly out, ground out, single, ground out. Fly out, ground out, double, strike out. Reached on an error, strike out, ground out, ground out. Ground out, single, fly out, ground out. Strike out, pop out, single, Strikeout. So it seems like a lot of this is coming with two. A lot of hits are coming with two outs. Yep. And when you don't have well, a lot they, of, they leeway. got they got the leadoff hitter on three different times, because in the sixth, an error, then a pop out, a strikeout, and a pop out. Then finally in the seventh, walk the leadoff hitter. Then uh, in a, a move that really surprised me, you got the tying run at the plate. Now after a leadoff walk in the top of the seventh, and Anna Oles is pinch hit for. Interesting. And they use Ryan Quain, who spent most of the year on JV. Yeah. Uh, but Anna had struck out twice against Dietlin, uh, and Quain 
smacked a grounder right up the middle into center field for a, a big base hit. That put runners at first and second. Kalista Nagan hit a fly ball to right that was hit hard, but it was caught. And Lenarski tagged and went over to third. So now runners at the corners with one out. It's 2 nothing, right, at this it's point? It's 2-0. Kate Westmiller coming to the plate. She hits a rocket to first. Um, Rickard is playing first. The ball bounces off of her shoulder to the second baseman, Maya Simons, who never takes the ball out of her glove. She shovels it from her glove right back to Rickert just in time to get West Miller at first. Which isn't a lot of time. Which isn't a lot of time. Run scores, tying run moves to second. Now, I'm saying if they don't pull that play off, if West Miller is safe at first, there's trouble. Because the winning run is the fastest player on Marysville. And, and you you're know- getting into the meat of their order and how they're going to do things, and they have an extra out to play with. Right, because then you could play with the possibility, hey, do you bunt West Miller to second and then trust one at-bat, get a single, you score the run in all likelihood. Because you've got Bassett, Walters, and Kane, and Lexi Perrin kind of all coming up there. Um, You know, Marysville would have been in a little bit of business. As it was, you still had the tying run at second with two outs now, uh, and Dietland was able to strike out Bassett to get out of the uh, the game. And as far as the offense for Marine City, Bassett held them off the board for four innings. Then uh, after a, a ground out started the fifth, Kaylee Rickert doubled to right, went to third on a Jade Blanchard single into left. Um, the ball was just hit too hard. You know, it was when it got out to the left right. field in no time. It was actually risky just going to third on the play. <laughs> so now you've got runners at uh, first and second. Obviously, Blanchard takes the base. So now it's second and third with one out and Mackenzie Laboon at the plate, and they ran a safety squeeze to perfection to push home the game's first run. And that's what you have to do in the postseason. Yep. Sometimes you just have to manufacture a run, the cliche, old cliche, but yep. something – Game like that, runs are coming at a premium. Have to find a way. So it's one nothing Mariners, and then Bassett does a good job because there's still a runner at third with two outs, and she's got to get Deetland, and she gets a weak ground ball out to get out of the jam. Then in the sixth, she strikes out Simons to start the inning, and then Ainsley Coleman on a two-strike pitch ran into one and hit one out to center field. A real shot by Coleman, and that made it a 2 nothing uh, game. Uh, the next hitter was Pelagata. She singled, went to second on an wild pitch pass ball. I don't know what I want to call it. It moved the runner up. It, it, moved, it moved the runner up. Um, and uh, then on a, a ground ball by Bella Volkman, they Sometimes Marine City does things that drive me insane because they're so good. Right. But sometimes they run the bases really weird. Yeah. And Pelagata got hung up between bases, and they ended up getting out of the the inning with that. Um, Otherwise, like the Mariners had a chance to really tack on what I think would have been a really important run to get up three in that game. I would have felt like they were comfortable. Right. But going into the last at-bat, only up 2 nothing. I just felt like it was a mistake, and Marysville just couldn't come all the way back. But that was a really good ball game, 
and the way you want those two teams to play and you know a two to one ball game that either team could have won that's the way that game's supposed to go yes um, so, so now you set up go from Marysville Marine City to Marine City St. Clair yeah and uh, this is Paul against Mackenzie Laboon and it was a struggle to navigate that St. Clair lineup um, all game long. The Saints didn't score in the top of the first, but they left the bases loaded. Then one, two, three for the Mariners against Paul. Then in the top of the second, with one out, Peyton Malcolm was safe on an error. Savannah Clark singled, and then with two outs, Hadley Schwartz singled home both runners to make it 2 nothing for the Saints. Then one, two, three for Paul in the second against the Mariners. Then in the top of the third, Claire Borg hit one out to center field that, again, almost made it into that the driveway coming into the parking lot. <laughs> Ball was just carrying yesterday uh, or uh, Saturday. Uh, and then Aaron Saros went right center, and it was – 15, 20 feet over the fence as well. So you're starting to see hitting like you saw last year, yes. just with the way the ball's carried. Yeah, so they go back-to-back, and it's 4 nothing. They get a run in the uh, fourth inning on an RBI single by Borg. They score three runs in the fifth um, with, this is interesting, single, hit-by-pitch, single, loads the bases. Maddie Cole hits a sacrifice fly to drive in a run. Schwartz singles in a run. And then Avery Paul hits a sacrifice fly to drive in a run. So the, the Saints had three sacrifice flies in two games. And, and I'm telling you, every time I see a, a Saints softball game, they hit a sacrifice fly. They're like the best team in the world at doing that. Anyway, so n- now they're they're obviously pulling away. They're up 8 to nothing through five innings. Um, they had a scoreless sixth. We go to the uh, seventh inning, and there are more fireworks. After Savannah Clark tried to bunt her way on and was thrown out by the third baseman. You get a single from Cole. Schwartz reaches on an error, and Avery Paul golfs one, a nine iron, into the parking lot over the left field fence. Just crushes like, it. Into the parking There's grass behind that fence for quite a stretch. Had a, had a few uh, car owners worried. Yes, especially me because it was in the vicinity of where I parked. <laughs> I'm like, I, I sheltered myself. In a row behind people, thinking, "All right, they'll block it." Right, but she just—that's usually what I do when I'm driving the the smaller of the cars I drive. I usually will park behind like a truck or an SUV. So a foul ball comes, it has to hit perfectly, and I don't get the the, the bounces. She just slobber knockered it though, and then Claire Bork comes up and hits a clothesline, a line drive that again, as soon as she hit it, you just—if it's high enough, this is out of here too. Right, and it was high enough. So they go back-to-back for the second time. Borg ended up hitting three homers in the two games. Um, she had two singles, a double, three home runs, knocked in five, scored five, uh, and I think I tweeted out she should be named Claire Cyborg. Yes. Um, uh, la- that, that district line was just ridiculous. Later on, <clears throat> Laney Pavlo got hit. I'm just saying. <laughs> <laughs> That is a statement of fact. First pitch went behind her. Second pitch hit her in the shoulder blades. That is a statement of fact. That's just a statement of fact. Okay. <laughs> then what happened in the rest of the game? Uh, and then Mia Pelagata homered to right to lead off the uh, bottom of the uh, seventh and at least break up the uh, the shutout. 
uh, and and go out with a bang. Uh, and the game actually ended on a four six three double play that was a really nice turn. Wow, that's hard to get uh, in softball. Pavlo to Schweighoffer to Borg um, to get uh, Kaylee Rickard with Olivia Volkman running at first. So she had a one-out single, and then Rickard hit a shot to second. And uh, if memory serves me, Pavlo had to go to her knees and then flipped it, and it was just a really nice turn. They, they, they did it, and it was kind of a spectacular way to end right. what had been a spectacular statement by St. Clair. So St. Clair – Kind of dominates a district we thought was going to be very competitive. Yeah, they, they end up scoring 23 runs and getting uh, 26 hits in two games. And and really a game and a half. I said this to you, I think last week, maybe before or after Wednesday show, that the way this St. Clair team is built reminds me a lot of Marysville's team from last year. They have a pitcher who has seemingly gotten better and stronger as the years go gone on they have two or three just absolute power bomb threats in the middle of the order last year for marysville you had uh you had not only caitlin kane you had avery walters you had callie perrin you had other bats in that middle of the lineup this year for st Clair, you have claire borg you have avery paul you have aaron saros in the middle of that order you have some speed at the top and bottom of the order last year it was west miller and it was woodard this year you have clark and who did they have in the nine spot um in the in the districts uh, Clark was batting ninth. Clark they got Cole nine. hitting leadoff Cole, right Yeah, now. Cole leadoff, that's right. And Clark ninth, so you have speed there. Cole has a little bit of pop in her bat, too. Just the way the two teams are constructed, you can draw a lot of similarities to it. And the other thing is, you have a pretty good number two pitcher if you ever need to use Claire Borick. Yeah, that that that's the thing. Paul is going to be the key, though, like – you you know uh, they've got a great and, and, and they've all got a great runs pitching's yeah. the key. Because. They've got a great offense, but you're as we go along, you're going to see better and better pitching, and so the runs will probably become more of a premium. And yeah, and we saw this with Marysville, right? Like they got to the semifinals because in the quarterfinals, Smith outpitched another good pitcher and held Notre Dame prep down in the regionals. Yeah, look at other runs. Shea Van Scooter outduels Millington's arm in the regional finals last year and then continues that dominance. Very rarely are you going to get to a quarterfinal like Richmond did and just outbomb everybody. So, And here's the thing about uh, Paul. She could strike out 10, 12, 13 hitters a game. But in this district, she struck out four in the first game and five in the second game because if you can get weak contact, get weak contact, get right. easy outs that way, the game moves along quickly. You throw a lot less pitches. Like, you throw a lot of pitches in softball if you're striking everybody out. Right. Like, I love Kenna Bomarito, but Kenna Bomarito throws a lot of pitches. So, Katie Shoeboy. They throw oh. a lot of pitches because they're striking a lot of people out. Um and I'm not saying St. Clair is earmarked for a state final because the roads are going to be very different. Oh, they have um, a very difficult region. The region is going to be tough. Not saying Marysville's last year wasn't tough by any means, but let's call it what it is. There was one free team in that district last year. East Point 
shouldn't have been there. They were gifted a district title. And Saint, it affected the way center line then played when they got Saint to the St. Clair is going to have to grind for a regional title. They go down to Country Day. They are actually joined by another Blue Water area team. Yeah, Imlay City, uh, who uh, ended up winning their district. Back uh, to first, back. First off, Yale outdueled Goodrich 2-1 to one in the first semifinal game. That's got to feel good for Yale. You struggled in the BWAC, didn't win a conference game, but you go out and win a playoff game and you get a chance to win a district title. Good for them. And then the game that uh, we thought was for the title between uh, Imlay City and Croslex, and I was actually leaning towards Croslex yeah. to win this game. Imlay City won it 6-5. to five. Uh, And then the Spartans were all over Yale in the championship game 15-1. to one. So, yeah, Imlay City is going to head uh, with St. Clair to that uh, regional at Country Day. The only way they can play each other, though, is if they both win their semifinal game and play in the championship. Uh, and like I say, that's a uh, tough regional. Uh, the Spartans are going to play the host team. Uh, and uh, St. Clair has uh, got a solid opponent, too. So we learned last year, I mean, Marysville wasn't ranked in the top 10 at season's end. So rankings don't mean a whole lot. For reference, St. Clair, here's another similarity between them and Marysville last year. They're not even right. Not even honorable mention. Yeah, in D two, which is like really this is a this is a team that's nineteen and nine and won the MAC White. Right. They didn't. They weren't dropped down to a lower MAC where they had one time. Like they're battling with some really good teams. So just just another similarity between two rival schools um, a year apart. But the only team, while it is tough, it, there's no powerhouse. Um, the, the highest ranked team is Detroit Country Day. That's who Emily City will play. They're, they were an honorable mention. Now, honorable mentions go by uh, alphabetical order, so I don't know if they were number 11 or if they were number, like, 19. Um, Lutheran North is who St. Clair plays. They're not in the anywhere on the rankings, but neither is St. Clair. So I don't want to go, well, oh, Lutheran North's not ranked. They're no good. And in the same No, I think go, Lutheran North is pretty solid. I, th- this is... This is a tough regional. These are quality wins if you get them. Right. And it's it's not going to be easy, but I think this is a winnable uh, region. The one thing that I hope doesn't happen, and Dennis, we've talked about it in other sports, mostly like football, but I hope St. Clair, when they go down there, doesn't get, what's the term I want to use, intimidated by the brand i don't know if that's the right word but you go to country day and it's gorgeous they have money fountains everywhere (laughs) and the field is turf everything's turf you're playing there and just the name country day sometimes carries a little bit of allure to it and it's like mary's had a similar situation with notre dame prep last year but you're at country day you're playing a school that everyone tells you is great at everything, that's the one worry I'd have if they were to meet in a final. Yeah, uh, and I'm excited. Emily City was the only BWAC team we didn't see this year right? during the regular season. So saw, saw an inning and a half of Yale, so it I, counts. I, I know they're going to be the underdog against Country Day, but it'll be good to, to see the Spartans and you know kind of complete – the BWAC circuit um, because we saw everybody. Uh, so else. Lutheran North went 17 and O in the uh, AA softball of the Catholic league. Now I have no idea how 
good other schools are. St. Catherine of Siena Academy finished second. Never heard of them. Our Lady of the Lakes Parish School finished third. So I don't know if this was a really good league or a really bad league. <laughs> I'm just telling you, according to this, Lutheran North went 17-0. and 0. All right. Well, we'll, f- we'll find out on Saturday because that is uh, one of the regionals that uh, we'll be following. I'll let that cat out of the bag. Uh, well, yeah, shocker, too. <laughs> I think that was the one they could have guessed, two local teams playing in two different games. So, so anyways, over at Algonac, the Lady Muskrats oh, won their district 37 to nothing. Uh, they they beat, play- I'm going to go in reverse order because I know you want to talk about the first game. The, they, the <laughs> Algonac beat Foley 10 nothing in the championship game, and that was their close game. Yeah, so real quick in that game, I mean, kind of what you expected. You look at the box score, Ella Stevenson home run, two doubles, Kenna Bomarito, double, J.C. Reams, a triple. They just they dominated, and uh, Kenna Bomarito pitched, gave up just two hits, didn't walk any, struck out 12. Hello. Uh, and game one, 12 of the 16 batters she faced, oh my. God. I just clicked that they only played five innings and she yeah. struck out twelve. Uh, and uh, and in game one they played Clintondale, and the final <sighs> score was twenty-seven to nothing. And did you tell me that all tw- of the runs scored in one inning? It was twenty-three nothing after the first. Oh, inning. okay. So they scored four more after that. Yes. Which uh, you look at their lineup. That's yeah. a football score, Brady. Yes. They <laughs> they substituted just about everyone in their lineup um but the so 27 nothing i i don't know this for a fact but i was told that it got to the point where they were leaving early obviously if they wanted to they could have won that game 50 to nothing which i don't want to spend more than just a couple minutes on this but i was talking with someone um on saturday and i go shouldn't there just be some absolute mercy like if you get up 25 runs it doesn't matter if it's the top of the first and the other team hasn't bat yet the game's over just to avoid situations like this just have some ridiculous number that can only be met if it's two completely unbalanced teams playing each other yeah you know I because I I thought about this too and it started when we had that game earlier yeah the the Westwood Big Bay to knock 67 to nothing game. Yeah, it's like, yeah, there, there should also, I know they do it in a lot of little leagues, but there should be a limit to the number of runs you can get in one inning where you just stop well, the I, inning. See, that I would rather just have. Because I'd, the- I'd, I'd actually, and sorry to interrupt, but I'd actually rather have that than kids having to leave the bases early to create outs. I just say, okay, that, you, you've scored 20 runs this inning. The inning is over. We're stopping. We're going to the next inning now. Which, I mean, if it's some absurd number like that, fine. But I just think if you have, if at any point, let's call it 25, you're not coming back from a 25-run deficit. So if you're playing, if Clintondale and Algonac play, and Algonac puts up 25 runs in the top of the first you don't get a bottom of the first. Don't give up 25 runs. And that prevents, I mean, it would come into play maybe a half a dozen times throughout the entire state in a season. But it's just to get rid of this, because you know in the bottom of the second, they weren't 
doing anything to try and score more runs. They scored four. They probably could have scored 24 if they wanted to. Uh, the, the other thing about it, like, you can't tell your bench kids don't try to get a hit. Yeah. Uh, especially at Algonac where some of those kids, you know, they maybe got 10 at-bats this season. And they're not bad players. They're, and they're not bad players, but yeah, and they want to play and, and you know, they're they're against maybe pitching that they can do things they haven't done all season. Right. I can hit a home run off this pitcher. Right. I can have I can finally have my moment. You can't the tell record, them go was, up there and make an out. There were fourteen walks. Yeah, that's that's the other. I mean, seventeen hits for Algonac. I, I, I guess you you can try to to hit pitches that are out of the zone. Um, and, and, and just that, tell them you're sw- in, you in don't that point. Take a pitch in, in that point too. Yeah, you, you tell your kids don't take a pitch. Swing, swing at the first pitch unless it's behind you. You're swinging yeah. at it. And, and also, umpires can help out there by maybe widening the zone a little bit. I'm just oh, b- before we <laughs> we'll go talk any about further, umpires later because I'm going to forget um, Tom Ritus, and and you would know Tom if yep. you saw him. Um, retired after the district at Marysville. 44 years as an umpire, wow. 38 years as a basketball ref in high school. That's a lot of years. He, uh, he served the uh, our area exclusively and did a lot of work for the MHSAA. So um, thank you, Tom. And uh, I, I know Tom, uh, I think Tom listens to the podcast. I know he listened to the to my radio show for years, <laughs> and I, I think he listens to the podcast too. Two thumbs up for Tom. Yes, uh, we'll we'll miss him because he's give him one a of the better. Of he's one of the better officials in the area. You want to give too. him? There you go. Have a good retirement. Forty-four years of putting up with uh, people like us in the media and parents who uh, who sometimes don't like umpires. For for and context, too. he probably umpired <laughs> my father when he was in high school. <laughs> probably, I know he he did games of yours. Yeah. Probably followed you out in basketball. I only followed out one game. That's probably but anyway, to, just to wrap up, yeah, um, <laughs> I would be – I know it would have to be some absurd number. If you want to make it 30, 30 whatever, just some ultimate DEFCON 1, this game is done, there's no retaliation, 25, 30, whatever. I just saw that score. I'm like, there need just – because at that point, it's so obvious. One team is just – you won the game. Congratulations. Yeah. So Algonac cruised. Uh, unsurprisingly. Unsurprisingly. Actually, the surprising part is that they played a fifth inning. Yeah. All right. Uh, now we head to Richmond where everybody was waiting for a Richmond-Elmont final, and they got it pretty quickly because Elmont uh, took care of Memphis 13-1. to After Rich- almost stubbing their toe against New Haven yeah. in the pre-district. Yeah, they, they were ready for this one. Uh, and Richmond beat Oakland Christian 18-3. to to set up the uh, the championship game. I think that was in four innings or three and a half innings. And just what, last week or the week before, they split a doubleheader at Richmond, and Elmont walked out of there feeling like they should have won both games. Right. Knowing, but both teams knew, this game was just on the horizon. Yeah. Now, I've said this to Brady off the air, and I didn't say it to anybody else. So Brady Brady can tell you that I am telling the truth. Oh, I'm- I came back from that doubleheader, and when Brady asked me about it, I said, I think Shoeboy was pulling her punches. 
She threw like 90% fastballs, didn't change speeds a lot, didn't use her little fadeaway pitch, wasn't really moving the ball. Like she goes up, down, side to side, uses, you know, all areas of the zone. Um, she has a fastball, then she has a fastball. Right. Um, and and she's got an, an unhittable rise ball. And like I say, she's got that that churve. It's a change-up that curves. Like a sl- I guess the baseball they call it a slurve. Yeah, it, it's, it's a, a sweeping curve. And you didn't see any of that. And Elmont was really good that day of anything above the hands they laid off. So they weren't swinging at the rise ball. Mm-hmm. And they beat her 4-1. to one. And I think they had like 11 hits in that game. And I just went, yeah, Shoe Boy didn't pitch awful, but that wasn't. She didn't empty the tank. Yeah, that, that wasn't the stuff you're going to see when the district comes around. And she had, what, an 11, 12 strikeout yep, a game? Yep, 6-1 win for Richmond. Gave up seven hits, so the hits didn't go down dramatically. Uh, can hit. Yes. Only one earned run, one walk, struck out 11 Almont Raiders, and for reference, in that four to one game that you had just mentioned, Shoeboy struck out eight. So strikeouts went up a little bit, hits went down a little bit. Yeah, and I and I just uh, and I know Almont was missing a couple of players as and well. And you're not saying that Shoeboy was throwing the game. You're just saying that she kept a few no, tricks in her back yeah, pocket. Yeah, she wasn't showing them everything that she's got because she knew she was pitching against them in a playoff game. In about in, two weeks. In, yeah, like ten days. Yeah. So um, th- that was interesting. Uh, and Richmond won that 6-1. to one. I thought it would be a little bit tighter game, but um, I, I do think that Richmond has the best pitcher in the league. Right. Um, well, and Elmont. And had, right now, too, like Clark and Creon are locked in, and they're yes. just, especially Creon. Creon's crushing the ball right now. Now, the way that Richmond hit and Elmont, uh, and Chewboy pitched, I don't think it makes, it changes the outcome of the game. It might make it a little closer. But Devin Johnston had a really good problem to have. She was on obviously the softball team, but she also runs track, and she was a part of a state uh, qualifying relay team, and they were happening at the same time, and the state uh, finals were out in Zealand area, out on the west side, yeah. so she had to pick, and she picked track. Can't blame her. I mean, you're doing one thing. You're leaving someone hanging e- either way, and, well, she wasn't there. I'm not blaming her by any means. She went and didn't want to let her relay team down. and Yeah, because if she doesn't run the relay, they either have to forfeit yeah. or find somebody who hasn't done it. Right. And, that, and, and you hope in softball, especially with their team and their lineup, that they'll fill that gap. But I'm going to tell you what, after Ella Stevenson, Devin Johnston is the second best hitter in the Blue Water area. Right. So it's um, she's just too good at too much. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's uh, that is for sure. So Richmond wins a another district title um, over a, a fierce rival, and while they move on, they that's go probably on. like a hundred districts in a row. That right, they just it's almost. Remember last year they were they were this close to dropping it, and Algonac hasn't forgotten about that. Yeah. But um, they move on to Mount Morris, where they will have a winnable but still challenging 
regional. Yeah, Lanesburg. Well, La- Lanesburg is is the one ranked team uh, out there. Lanesburg um, comes in. They are an honorable mention. Um, Richmond's number two, by the way. Which yeah. they still have Millington above Richmond. Which interesting. Yeah. Le- Leslie is the team that Richmond will play first. Yes, and Leslie doesn't show up anywhere. No, again. no idea. But again, I, I couldn't St. even Cl- tell you where Leslie is. But again, St. Clair's not ranked. I'm not going to take these rankings as gospel. They're just to kind of give a hazy image of what to expect. And uh, Lanesburg plays Otisville-Lakeville, which I'm going to assume Lanesburg can beat Otisville-Lakeville. Not that they're bad, but... I'm going to assume that it is Lanesburg playing either Leslie or Richmond. Yeah, so and and that's I'm going to assume Richmond and Lanesburg will be the regional final there. But you never know. It just takes one good day. Anyway, so that was probably 45 minutes on softball. Well, we're not done yet oh, cuz yeah. uh, Ortonville Brandon oh, beat yeah, North Branch <laughs> 4 to 1. So that was the other BWAC uh, school. A little disappointing. I was yeah. I was kind of hoping for a a deep run by the Broncos because there was just in the back of my head knowing that they could meet St. Clair or Emily City in a quarterfinal. Yeah, and and again they 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 Which have I, the the pitching and the hitting. Um, but uh, obviously Ortonville Brandon must have good pitching too to hold that I lineup do to believe, one run. Let me double check real quick, but I don't think Ortonville Brandon won that district. I believe Linden was in that same... And they were a quarterfinalist last year because yeah. that's who Marysville played in the quarterfinals. Let me double-check. it. Well, yeah, Linden won that, and they have to... Yeah, they have a bear of a uh, of a region. Essexville, Garber, and Frankenmuth both in there, along with Swan Valley and Linden. <sighs> yeah. That's gonna so be you a- got last year's quarterfinalist in Linden. Yes. Garber is 32-8. and eight. And Frankenmuth is 35-4, and four, and I'm going to assume Swan Valley's got a winning record, too. Well, yeah, because the state site, not everyone reports their scores. So, according to this, they're 9-5. and five. They've played 14 games <laughs> this year. All right. And then, uh, to top it off, KPAC for the second year in a row wins a district, and they rolled. They beat Dryden 10-2, to two, and then they beat Genesee 20 to nothing. Wow. Congrats to the Chiefs. Yes. So, all right, that was a long segment on softball, but it's going to be a long show. There was it's It'll be a longer it, segment on baseball, probably. We'll probably have to break that up because <laughs> my district alone will probably take twenty to thirty minutes. <laughs> my Saturday districts, I did two, um, but yeah, we're way overdue for a break. So let's get to it. Get ready for outdoor fun at Alpine Cycles in downtown Port Huron. Skateboards, bikes, longboards, and accessories. They have everything you need to enjoy the warm weather. Alpine Cycles offers the best selection, and they're always getting new daily arrivals. Stop by Alpine Cycles today at 762 Huron Avenue at the corner of Huron and Glenwood or call 982-9281. Open Monday from 10 until 6, Friday and Sunday, noon to 4. When you run with us on a Gator UTV... The engine has your full attention. The herd takes notice. And the trail meets its match. Because with effortless four-wheel drive and our smoothest shifting transmission yet, nothing runs like a deer. Search John Deere Gator for more. 
Contact one of Tri-County Equipment's 10 locations in Bad Axe, Birch Run, Burton, Carroll, Fenton, Lapeer, Marlette, Reese, Saginaw, or Sandusky, or visit Tri-County Equipment online at tricountyequipment.com. Marjorie Campbell Company, located in Port Huron, is a full-line distributor of industrial cutting tools, fluid power, electrical tools, and other electrical supplies, providing utility and contract-based services for more than 100 years. The company has a wide range of products that includes abrasives, automotives, ballast and lamps, boxes and closures, building products, chemicals and lubricants, electrical fittings and equipment, janitorial equipment, wire devices, and tapes and safety products. Marshall E. Campbell Company, located at 2975 Lapeer Road, or call them at 800-250-7520. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Do you have the right financial advisor to help you reach your goals? Ameriprise Advisors can create a personalized, goal-based plan to help you prepare for whatever life brings so you can feel more confident about your financial future. Call Ameriprise Financial Advisor Dave Betts today at 810-987-5370. That's 810-987-5370. Office is located at 527 Huron Avenue, Port Huron, Michigan. Ameriprise Financial Services, LLC. Member FINRA and SIPC. Take advantage of high market values by tapping into your home's equity with a low-rate home equity line of credit from Advia Credit Union. Use the cash for seasonal spending, consolidating high-interest debt, and much more. Learn more and get started online at advscu.org forward slash HELOC. All loans subject to approval. Equal housing opportunity. NMLS number 401863. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. Are you getting out of a lease or ready to trade in your vehicle? Stop by Jepson Car Company and we'll be here to assist you. We are constantly buying out lease vehicles and almost always putting money into your pocket. No matter what you owe, we can help. If you don't see your perfect vehicle in our lot, we will help you find it. Our purchasing team has decades of experience to help find the vehicle that is best for you. Call Jepson today at 810-662-3048 or stop by at 5277 Gratiot Avenue in St. Clair. This is Lucy Harris. I'm a class of 2022 senior, and I play on the golf team at Port Huron Northern. As a Port Huron school student, I had the opportunity to participate in the most extracurricular and academic opportunities in the region. I can even earn free college credits from the Blue Water Middle College. At Port Huron Schools, I am treated as an individual, and my teachers care about my specific needs. After graduating, I plan to study abroad and attend college to eventually become a teacher. That's my Port Huron School story. What will yours be? Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. 
Magnet International would like to thank the Blue Water area for welcoming us into their community. We are excited to put our roots down in this beautiful, growing area. As the largest auto supplier in North America, we are thrilled to call Blue Water area home and look forward to many, many years in this wonderful community. Our brand new facility is located off of Range Road in St. Clair, Michigan. Magna is a proud sponsor of Blue Water Area High School Athletics. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, now to the baseball districts, and we'll start on uh, Friday. There were three districts going on, and we were at two of them. Uh, in Division One, I, I was at uh, Anchor Bay. Game one was Anchor Bay and Lance Cruz. Lance Cruz had gotten there with a pre-district win over Portier and High. This was a pitcher's duel, uh, and I'm going to uh, to tell you, uh, Brady, Luke Hall is good. This is yeah. a good arm. Anchor um, Bay's a good team. Yeah. He went five and two-thirds, gave up a run on five hits, one walk, ten strikeouts, and the poor guy got no decision. Yeah, yeah. Um, because uh, the guy he was up against, Anthony Burrich, threw really well uh, as well. The uh, the Tars got an RBI double from John Sowards, one of his two hits in the uh, the game, and then he closed it out. He pitched the last four hitters and got all four of them uh, to pick up the uh, win, and that gave the Tars a one nothing lead after three. Yeah, And then in the top of the fourth, with one out, kid named Grant Teschendorf. He's the catcher. String bean. Looks like a basketball center. He got into one, and I'm going to tell you, it was a swirling wind. It, it, it would change from pitch to pitch to blowing straight in and blowing out to left. Um, and he must have got a hold of his while it was blowing out to left because it just kept going and going. It looked off the bat. It looked like a lazy fly ball, and then you saw the left fielder turn and start running. And when you see an outfielder's back, you're like, okay. And it just kept going and going and going, and it sailed right on over the fence and tied the game at 1-1. And uh, in the inning prior to that, though, I think was the key moment of the game. Um, Liam carries a dude. Yes, he. If he was at not Anchor Bay in one of our more, I guess, heavily covered schools, he we would just talk about him nonstop. We talk about him a lot for him being at Anchor Bay, and I must just have an affinity for catchers who can just rake. Because Joe Paranello is one of my favorite yeah. players to watch, and so is Liam Carey. I've told you his swing is just beautiful. But but it's his defense I'm going to talk about first. Um, because behind the plate, he scoops up balls and he does stuff with minimum effort, and he just looks good. And then he's got a, uh, just a cannon for an arm. Uh, and in the top of the third, a leadoff double followed by a single put runners at first and third. Mm-hmm. The runner at first starts stealing second. Carey fakes to second, fires to third, and nails the runner at third and you go from first and third with nobody out to runner at second with one out and then hall strikes out the next two hitters and that's something you you see it but you rarely see it work yeah but i mean it was just a bazooka and then in a 1-1 game in the sixth i'm thinking 
boy, extra innings. It's already going to be a long day with three games. Right. This one might go 15 because nobody can hit. These pitchers are just dealing. And Carey comes up, and this was against the wind. A towering fly ball that went out to left for a home run. And this is after he had struck out in his first two at-bats against uh, this pitcher. Uh, and he just destroyed it. If this is against the wind, I want to know what this ball does. If there's no wind or he's with the wind, he might have hit it over onto the JV baseball field that's way behind the left field fence. Like, he hit a bomb, and that ended up being the game-winning run in a 2-1 to Anchor Bay victory in Game 1. Game two was Northern against Lance Cruz North. Unfortunately for the uh, the Huskies, uh, Owen Johnson just didn't have it, and Joey Randazzo did. Um, and uh, North scored two in the first, uh, two-run double for a kid named Brock Yipe. I love that name. Brock Yipe. You two, love your unique names. Two-run two, two uh, double. I do, too. And then uh, Luke Lindsay in the second, singled home uh, two runs, uh, and then stole home as part of a double steal, and it was 5 nothing after two. And Randazzo went five, and they took him out, Brady, and I was sad hmm. because he was throwing a no-hitter. He, he, he Which counts king. He, he would have been throwing a perfect game, but in the top of the fifth, he struck out Jake Kerrigan, but a wild pitch put Kerrigan at first. Then he threw a wild pitch to Alex Armstrong, and Kerrigan tried to go first to third, and he was out by 15 feet at third. But he's he's trying to get something started. Right, I, I get it. Um, Which the pitch count is big because, as I'll talk about in my district, you'll see some kids that pitch both games because the 105 pitch counts not for a game; it's for a day total. So sometimes, if you can get a kid out early, knowing that I might need him for an inning or two. Yeah, you get them out a little early and just have them. If we need to get out of a sticky situation, I have this kid for 30 pitches if I need him. Yeah, but uh, and then he uh, he struck out Armstrong and Wild pitched him to first. But So technically in five innings, he pitched to 16 hitters and got all 16 out, but two of them got on base. <laughs> so he, so but, th- but they took him out. He went five, no runs, no hits, no walks, seven strikeouts. Uh, and then the kid that came in after him, Owen Lamry, uh, pitched the last two innings. Um, and the first four hitters he faced were a fly out and three strikeouts. Then he walked a guy, and then Owen Johnson, a legit single to break up the uh, the no-hitter, uh, but that was all that the Huskies would get, just the one hit, uh, and they ended up losing that game 6 to nothing. Caleb Thomas uh, tripled uh, and uh, scored in the uh, the sixth there. The, the What I'll say about Lance Cruz North, about half their lineup, play on the basketball team. Yeah. At, at least half. The, I'm like, Lindsey, he plays basketball. Oh, here's McDonald. He plays basketball. Here's Midbo. Oh, he's a basketball player. Uh, here's Thomas. He's the point guard. Here's right. Lewis. He's the shooting guard. <laughs> like, just everybody that they kept rolling out there. So that set up a final between Anchor Bay and Lance Cruz North, uh, and this was just an, another real good ball game, well-pitched. Anchor Bay got a run in the uh, the third RBI single by uh, Ty Shornack. Uh, I'll tell you what, those Shornacks, too, they're good. Yes. And all they do, they're like little gnats, and they just keep getting on base. 
and, yes. and causing uh, problems. North came back and tied it in the uh, the bottom of the uh, fourth inning. And then Anchor Bay, I thought, blew it open in the fifth with three runs. They went up 4-1, to one, but North came right back with a run um, and chased Ty Finkbeiner out of the game. Um, but, uh, again, Sowards came in to seal the deal. So Sowards won game one in relief, and he got a save in game two as the Tars won 4-2. to two. Sowards went three, no runs, two hits, no walks, three strikeouts. Finkbeiner went four uh, and started the uh, the fifth, and they, uh, they took him out uh, after he uh, – Gave up a leadoff walk in the uh, the fifth, but two runs, three hits, walked four, struck out uh, eight. Uh, Anchor Bay got uh, good pitching. They win the uh, the district, uh, and I think they have a, a winnable. That's that's pre- what I was going to say. Regional game. Don't be surprised. I know Anchor Bay is kind of on the outskirts of our our minds in the Blue Water area, but don't be surprised if in East Lansing you see. Uh, Anchor Bay bus headed that way. They played Chippewa Valley. That's a conference opponent who they've taken care of. Now, it's a rival, but one game, I think that's a very winnable game. Allen Park in Detroit Western is the other regional, semifinal, pre-regional, whatever you want to call it, that would meet up. I don't know anything about those two teams. I don't think anybody is super good i mean i can check the rankings real quick and on the other side they would have this would be the the tough qu- the quarterfinal game de la salle gross point north now gross point north has been a wagon recently they they won the white that would be an absolute battle remember they had a one game playoff for the mac white title and then U of D jesuit and birmingham groves on the other side but and- if it's if it's north that's an opponent you're familiar with. Yes. And so it's less Detroit intimidating. Western, by the way, number uh, 10 in Division One. All so. right. So there, so there is a, still a tough path to go. But I, I like that. I like the way they play because they catch the ball. They don't make mistakes. Their pitchers throw strikes. They've got some good arms. Hey. It's not uh, a gimme by any means, but I see a path. There's a, they have a puncher's chance of playing on the final weekend of the season. And, and if I've got to pick guys to pitch a game for me that I have to win, I'm now adding Hall to my short list. Right. So, speaking of uh, teams that have guys that yeah, – well, that was a bad bad transition <laughs> because Josh Kasner didn't pitch. But anyway, Algonac was up in Brown City. Um, their first game against New Haven, and they just clobbered them. They had already – destroyed him 16 to nothing earlier in the year they no hit him they put alan crow back on the mound he gave up four hits so he was slacking it was a 13 nothing <laughs> win for algonac not a whole lot to say ty schultz two doubles two singles three rbis a stolen base and a run scored out of the leadoff spot in the opening game they they used that as an opportunity to get everyone in they brought up the entire jv team they have a they have an infantry out in the left field where they were warming up, which, by the way, before I go any further, Brown City was hosting. And I had never been to Brown City, but for basketball. And they have an old gym. It's it's fine. It's not amazing. It's not bad. It's, it's a fine high school gym. So I, I drive to Brown City, never been to their baseball or softball field. So I park in the high school, and I'm like, I don't 
there's the football field. I don't see where baseball or softball is. They have a big sign that po- that points into a tunnel of trees that says baseball and softball facility. So at first I'm like, can I drive back there? So I drive my car up and it's like maybe a car wide. I go, I don't know where I'm at. I'm not going to drive my car into <laughs> the woods. <laughs> that seems like a bad idea. So I park in the lot, I walk over, and I'm like, I guess I'm walking into the woods. I got my bag on, and I'm walking, and you turn a corner, and all you can see at the end is like a big gas tank, you know, those big round white gas tank things. And there, and I'm like, am I going to walk to a resource shed or like, where am I going? I'm, they're probably thinking, and it's Friday, so it's a school day. They're going, who's this weird guy walking around with a bag going somewhere? And I'm, I'm thinking, I'm lost. I'm not going to find it in time. I'm going to have five minutes to set up. So I get to the end of this tunnel of trees, which is maybe half a mile long. And I look, and I see this gorgeous baseball and softball facility. For our friends at Richmond, if, you've, if you remember Millington softball set up last year, very similar. They have two press boxes, one behind each facility. They have stadium seating for about 25 to 40 right underneath it. The grass, what, Dennis, it looked like a golf course grass. The dirt was perfect. The lines were straight. It was the best baseball field in the Blue Water area that I've seen, bar none. Cool. And it was incredible. I guess there's not a whole lot to do up in Brown City, so they take care of their ball diamond, and it is better than some small college fields. That should be a permanent host for districts, quarterfinals, anything up in the thumb, Brown City should be hosting. Amazing. Did a great job anyway. Algonac stomps New Haven. That was kind of expected. Uh, Memphis played Brown City. First time we've done a Memphis game, by the way. Able to finally cross paths with the Yellow Jackets. And Brown City had taken care of business against them, and nothing really changed. They scored one in the bottom of the first. They scored three in the bottom of the second and a 4 nothing lead. That's really all Curtis Stanley needed. Uh, he ended up striking out nine in the win. It was 8-2 to two Brown City. They went up 8 to nothing and just kind of put it in cruise control after that so the game we all kind of expected would be the championship Algonac and Brown City was an absolute duel for four innings so Algonac Ty Schultz leads off double he comes around to score on a Matt Meldrum ground out so it's one to nothing Algonac and no one can score for the next three and a half innings it's not till the bottom of the fourth. Still one nothing. Noah Perks dealing for Brown City. Jake Kasner dealing for Algonac. In the bottom of the first or the fourth, Curtis Stanley singles. Garrett maybe singles. So it is runners on first and second with nobody out. Now, here's an interesting play. One of the more interesting plays I've seen all year. Taylor made double play ball hit to short. Shortstop takes it, throws the second baseman. Second baseman turns, throws to first. Maybe running from first to second, doesn't slide, and the throw hits him in the shoulder. Goes flying. The ump immediately goes, time, he, guy at second, out. Guy at first, out. Double play called interference. Which, Dennis, you're the rule book scorekeeping expert. What do you think 
of that ruling. Um, well, not being there, not seeing it. I from, was, he, was he out of the base path? In the it base looked path? like he was running right in the base path. Was it a good throw, a bad throw? It, it, Dennis, he was me to you away when he threw it. He was right in front. He didn't slide. And maybe he's a big kid. So he just threw it like he would to first. And it, I think it hit him in the shoulder or the arm. And it popped way, like it, 40 feet in the air, it bounced off of him. Yeah, I mean, I can see interference being called there. So they call it. And it's now first or run around through two away, and an error scores the run. So it's one to one. The double play ends up not mattering. Stanley comes in to score, and then the wheels fell off for Brown City. They had used such emotional energy to come back and tie the game in the bottom, in the top of the next inning, top of the fifth. Starts off single from Ty Schultz. He only made one out the uh, entire district, I yeah, believe. He's a, he's a good player, and he's a guy I wanted to draft in baseball and just forgot that I wanted to draft him. <laughs> so Ty Schultz singles. A, he moves up on a stolen base, then a wild pitch. Then a fielder's choice drives in the run, and you could tell Brown City just went, <sighs> like we just fought so hard to push across the first run. We're going to do it, and then... It all falls apart. Um, after that, Josh Kasner strikes out. Then double, error, 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 walk, walk, all with about four or five wild pitch slash pass balls in there. Wow. And it just, cart fell off. Um, Algonac would go on to win 12-2 to in a game that looked like three runs would be an insurmountable lead. An eight-run top of the fifth did it. Um, Brown City couldn't recover. Obviously, jo- Jake Kasner pitched a gem, went the distance, eight strikeouts, one walk. And Algonac moves on to a regional where they go up to Bad Axe in a very tough opponent at their place. But I'm assuming we'll pre- we'll talk about that. Yeah, we'll get more into that. Especially and, on Wednesday. And the other interesting thing about that is the winner of that game will come down and play at Sanborn Park right. on Saturday. So, Which, again... I can't give enough praise to Brown City for their baseball facility. It is absolutely incredible. Um, but, uh, by the way, Bad Axe, they won that uh, district, so Sandusky um, fell to Bad Axe in the final. So we don't get a Sandusky-Algonac matchup. And the other D4-1 was Marlette loses in the championship to Kingston, I believe, 2 to nothing. Yeah. So after- that kills our hopes of a Marlette-Mooney but Kingston will play Mooney on Wednesday. Spoiler uh, alert, Mooney yeah. won the district. Marlette beat uh, Mayville 17-2 to, uh, to nothing uh, in that other game. Uh, so, yeah, then we'll uh, we'll take a look at all the uh, scores from Saturday because there were a couple of more districts, including one that Brady was at that was kind of lame. You know, there were no, nobody there that we really cared about. But yeah. we thought, oh, what the heck. We'll, we'll go over to Richmond and, and watch. Maybe those we'll see games. a good game. Yeah. yeah. No, that was <laughs> that was an electric atmosphere for for about ten hours, and it was one of those where you're just pumped the whole time because, yeah, every single game is going to be some sort of a rivalry. Yeah. So we'll get to uh, Saturday's results next. 
buying or selling a home, you need an experienced company standing ready to help you with all your real estate needs who is committed to making you the client number one. O'Connor Realty hung out its real estate sign in the city of Marysville almost 40 years ago to help the good people of this community buy and sell their homes. O'Connor Realty provides access to free, no obligation home valuation reports prepared by a licensed realtor with no hidden fees. Located at 2801 Gratiot Boulevard, Marysville, give O'Connor Realty a call at 810-364-8700. For all your real estate needs, O'Connor Realty, small enough to know you, large enough to serve you. Hi, Chip Mortimer here. So much depends on your roof. Mortimer Lumber proudly features the Landmark Series shingle from CertainTeed Roofing. Landmark shingles come in many colors to surely enhance the look of your home. Landmark shingles offer a limited lifetime warranty, so you can be assured your roof will last for generations to come. Stop by Mortimer Lumber at 24th and Lapeer in Port Huron. Our expert staff will be glad to help answer all of your questions. Mortimer Lumber has locations in Port Huron, Emily City, Sandusky, and Bad Axe. Neiman's Family Market, located in St. Clair, is family-owned and operated and involved in the community. Neiman's has created a shopping experience providing a variety of quality products, specialty items, with superior customer service. Whatever your grocery needs are, from meats, bulk food, bakery items, produce, or even floral, Neiman's Family Market has what you will need. Entertaining? Neiman's has a full deli, and they do party trays. Check out our new mobile website and see weekly specials, coupons, and recipes. Open 6 a.m. to 9 p.m. all week long. Visit Neiman's Family Market in St. Clair. You'll be glad you did. Brady Beaton here again to tell you about TP Logos. TP Logos has everything you could want when it comes to local high school apparel. Head to their store at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville and check out their brand new extended showroom. Their already impressive selection has now doubled. I guarantee if you go into TP Logos, you will find something you love for your local team. If they don't have what you like, they'll custom make something just for you. That's TP Logos at 901 Michigan Avenue in Marysville. Marysville. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County has been serving the community for over 30 years. Located at 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, overhead doors are the premier choice for durability, serviceability, and hassle-free performance for commercial and industrial doors. Overhead Doors boasts a complete selection of performance and safety-tested commercial and industrial upward-acting doors and manufacture a wide array of styles to meet your needs. Overhead Door Company of St. Clair County, 5400 Lapeer Road in Kimball, call 810 this is Nash Phillips. I'm a class of 2022 senior and varsity football player at Port Huron High. As a Port Huron School student, I get to experience an education with the most athletic, extracurricular, and academic opportunities in the region. The district provides personal success for all students because each Port Huron School's journey is unique and special. I know I'm supported by my teachers and everyone in the district, both in the classroom and on the football field. I also know they care about my well-being each and every day. Poor Huron Schools have prepared me for anything I choose to do with my future. Please go to www.phasd.us and our social media for the latest updates on Port Huron Schools. The YMCA of the Blue Water area is pleased to announce a Night of Champions Thursday, September 15th at 6 p.m. at the McMoran Arena in downtown Port Huron. Eight-time Emmy Award winner Mike Doc Emmerich will host with special guests, activities, food, and both live and silent auctions. Tickets must be purchased in advance and are available at the YMCA, 1525 3rd Street in Port Huron. Cost is $100 per person or $1,000 for a table. For more information on a Night of Champions with Mike Doc Emmerich, call the Y at 810 810- 
980-987-6400, extension 132. Having car trouble? Look no further than Marysville Goodyear. Located at 291 Range Road, Marysville Goodyear will take care of all your automotive needs. They know that just one visit to them will make you a customer for life. Whether it's a tune-up or tire rotation, consistency is the name of the game for the folks at Marysville Goodyear. Need tires? Marysville Goodyear is a certified dealer of Goodyear, Dunlop, and Kelly tires, and they stock tires for cars, trucks, SUVs, and more. Give them a call today at 810-364-4700. Marysville Goodyear, where your satisfaction is our guarantee. Kaywood Auto has been serving the Blue Water area for over 100 years. They have the area's best selection of pickups and SUVs. And now Kaywood Auto is offering corrosion-free rust proofing. Call 987-3030. That's 987-3030 to make an appointment. Voted 2021 Best of the Best and President's Award winner plus 2022 Dealer of the Year, Kaywood Auto is open Saturdays 9 until 2. Visit www.kaywoodauto to make an appointment. Kaywood Auto has been serving the Blue Water area for over 100 years finding that missing shin guard remembering whether it's a home or away game getting the right kid to the right playing field on the right day why are simple things sometimes so complicated thankfully with auto owners insurance doesn't have to be one of them we work with independent agents who keep insurance simple so you can worry about more important things like not being that fan oh come on ref that's simple human sense for all your real estate and insurance needs, please go to our website at SheridanAgency.com. If you're not listening to GetStuckOnSports.com, that's a personal foul. Your kids, your schools, your sports. All right, welcome uh, back. Uh, now we head to Saturday's district action. And, uh, Brady, you were in uh, Richmond where we had St. Clair, Marysville, Richmond, and Marine City. Ho-hum, no big deal. Yeah, well, Marysville, remember, they upset Armada to get to this point. Uh, Armada had um, visions of going back to Richmond and winning where they had already beat the Blue Devils and potentially spoiling a couple of really good teams. Marysville. Comes in, they're the, they lose the toss to the road team against rival St. Clair. First inning, and I don't know if St. Clair hadn't woken up yet, if Marysville was just that amped up to go. Here's how the first inning goes for the Vikings. Hit batter, error, strikeout with a wild pitch, scores a run. Strikeout, RBI single, strikeout, E6 that an out was recorded on the play. So it's two to nothing Marysville before the Saints bat, and it's kind of like, whoa. St. Clair's shell shocked a little bit. Marysville is go has gone. We have the lead already. We've scored two runs, and sometimes scoring against uh St. Clair can be tough. Carter Hurlbert versus Porter Kays. Then in the top of the first, ground out, double for Eli Lore, pop out, line out. Two still two nothing. You go then Marysville can't do anything in the top of the second. They go down one, two, three. St. Clair, ground out, walk, fielder's choice, and Jacob Turner hits a line drive that stuck in the glove of Porter Case. <laughs> he threw it, and all Porter Case had time to do was rotate his wrist from facing second to facing home, and it poop stuck. Just that's the only way I can describe it. <laughs> Just stuck right in there, took away potentially an RBI base hit, still two to nothing. It stays two to nothing until the bottom of the third. Luke Ellis walks out of the nine hole. A fly out and a strikeout 
So you're one out away from getting out of the inning. Walk to Jared Cramp and then Brendan Cole, who has been steady Eddie all year long. Need a big hit in the Saints lineup. Better hope Brendan Cole's on deck. RBI that with an error that scores a run. And it's two to one. Marysville gets out of the inning, so it's still two to one. Marysville can't score in the top of the fourth. St. Clair comes back in the bottom of the fourth. Peyton Ellis reaches on an error. Wild pitch moves him up. Then a strikeout and a strikeout. So again, two away. Luke Ellis, single to right. Ball gets by the right fielder. Runner scores, two to two. Porter Kays actually struck out the side in the fourth. Um, came out of the game after four innings. And Trenton Vagie comes in. Again, Carter Hurlburt settled down after the first inning. Remember, he gave up just one hit in that first inning. Hasn't given up a run since then. And not a whole lot from the Marysville lineup. They had runners on second and third in the fourth, but couldn't do anything with it. Uh, so St. Clair in the bottom of the fifth. And remember, Trenton Vagie coming in on a hot streak. Shut down Armada after no-hitting Memphis. So, been pitching pretty well. Strikes out Eli Lord to start off. And then, yeah, the wheels start to come off. Walk, single, fielder's choice. Okay, this was a play that I thought Marysville got the raw end of the deal. The umpiring was... I can't talk about this district and not talk about some of the calls, particularly in this game and then in the championship game. Runners are, one run had already come home to score, so St. Clair had already taken the lead. There's one away. Infield's in, ground ball hit to short. Vagy grabs it on the backhand, throws home. The ball beats him, and it looks like they tag out Cole. They called him safe. And... From where I am in the booth at Richmond, and Dennis, you know that view. You're Mm -hmm. basically on the third base side of the backstop, what, 15 feet up? Yep. It's not a bad view for that call. I thought he was out. But umpire called him safe. That was just one thing that, a little foreshadowing for a championship game. Then Peyton Ellis tries to bunt. He touches the ball in fair territory out on interference. An error gets another runner on, and then Jacob Turner, an RBI single, and it's 6-2 to two St. Clair, and you're not coming back from that. Marysville was able to put up one run when they got to the top of the seventh but couldn't do anything else. They had a lead, but St. Clair was scared but was able to come back and get a win over their rival Carter Hurlburt. Again, he's, he's been a great story for the Saints this year. Does a nice job. Then Brendan Cole comes in in relief and slams the door in the last two innings. He struck out the side in the sixth and then only gave up a walk in the third. Actually didn't give up a hit, but did give up a run. So then Richmond will play Marine City in the other semifinal. A rematch of a game we saw earlier, but we had both said we're not putting any stock in that game. It was a Saturday game at Comerica. Everybody played. Yeah, you're not. That's not a true indication of where they are now. Richmond was the favorite. These are two conference champions, but we all know about the high end talent Richmond has. Richmond goes up two nothing in the bottom of the first and leaves the bases loaded. So you go, oh wow! It went from looking like it might get out of hand 
before the first is even over to you got out of it two to nothing. Jeff Heslop on the mound for Marine City. Hudson Davenport on the mound for Richmond. Hudson Davenport cruises, just just in cruise control, working his way through, doesn't have a problem until the fourth. It stayed two to nothing. Jeff Heslop settled down very nicely until the top of the fourth. Marine City able to get a runner on. Nolan Distorath doubles to lead off the inning. Jeff Heslop singles the whole Distorath at third. Charles Tigert comes in, grounds into a double play, but scores a run. Cooper Lutzen strikes out, and then Parker Atkinson with a base hit up the middle, ties it at two, and just like the first game where Marysville had a little bit of life, Marine City goes, would you look at that? We're tied. It's two to two. We're in a ball game. We're in the middle innings. Our, our aces settle down. And then the bottom of the fourth happened. And Richmond, I don't know if they had gotten complacent, if they had just trouble figuring out Heslop. He'd made an adjustment and Richmond readjusted. But here's the bottom of the fourth. Dylan Parker single. Denny Saligan single. Trey Taylor struck out. Ben Hitzelberger single plus an error drives in a run. Joe Perinello flies out single. And then the dagger, the two-run home run down the left field line that hit a school bus from Jackson Jones. Puts up five runs in the fourth. It's 7-2 to two Richmond. Game over for all intents and purposes. Yeah. They'd end up winning 9-2. to two. Uh, Marine City gave it their best. They they held Richmond at bay for a while. Were able to tie it. Dennis, I think if if you're a Marine City fan, I tell you it's 2-2 two to two going to the bottom of the fourth. You're taking that every day of the week. Yeah. Just a side note here because Marine City is a football school. I just want to say, baseball and softball each won their league this year. Yes, and played I know for they district. went out in the districts, but you know, I think, I think hindsight will look very kindly on those district losses. Yeah, um, and again, uh, for for the girls, they lost in the district final to a Saints team that just wasn't going to lose on oh, Saturday. Yeah. That was a district semifinal, uh, and this is a district semifinal to a Richmond team that you know. Is a top five team in Division Two. Yeah. yeah. So that sets up the game everyone had been wanting to see all year long. St. Clair and Richmond. No love lost between these two schools. And if you remember what a district final was in basketball, had Richmond and St. Clair. That was in St. Clair. And now a district final in baseball in Richmond. Oh, by the way, what do they open with in football next year? St. Clair, Clair Richmond. Richmond. Yeah. Going to get a lot of that. Yeah. Not, not real interested in that one, are we? <laughs> so this was one of the most unique district finals I have seen or just baseball games I have seen. Now, I'm going to get this out of the way early. The umpiring was not good. I try to... We talked about it. We tried to give them the benefit of the doubt. They're not professional referees. They're not professional umpires. But to talk about this game and not mention the inconsistency of particularly the strike zone is just me not doing my job. It was Dennis, and it was within the same at-bat. It was to both sides. I will say it did not affect the outcome of the game. It was so bad. It's not that Richmond was getting every call. or say, It was just 
I think that's the one thing that everyone sitting behind the fence would agree on was that was bad. And it was the, within an at-bat, Dennis. Fastball at the letters, ball. Fastball at the letters, ball. All right, getting ready on a three-ball count. Same pitch at the letters. Kid throws his bat, goes down to first. Nope, strike. Come on back. And it was just, it was bad. <laughs> like, there's no other way to put it. Um, but, like I said, it was bad for both teams. It, it felt one of those where, I think I call them the coin flip umpires, where there's a pitch and it's whatever comes up, flips a coin. If it's heads, it's a strike. If it's tails, it's a ball. And I'm just getting that out of the way early because from the first inning to the seventh inning, if you go back and listen, you can hear just sometimes I just go, and that missed somewhere. It was, yeah, I just wanted to say that now. <laughs> Didn't affect the final outcome. I, both sides will make arguments. I can give you a laundry list of of. Uh, calls that affected both sides, both positively and negatively. So with that out of the way, Jacob Turner versus Ben Hitzelberger. He hasn't pitched a lot this year. Don't know what his status is, but he's getting the start. Richmond is the road team. They lose the coin flip. They come out to bat. Trey Taylor, first at bat of the game. Line drive to right field. Cam Bleasdale coming in. He goes for an all or nothing play. He dives and it bounces right in front of his glove, goes over him all the way to the wall, leadoff triple. Leadoff triple for Trey Taylor. Uh, ben Hitzelberger grounds out to drive in a run. Perinello singles, Davenport singles, um, Jackson Jones singles, so another run has already come in to score. It's 2 nothing. Ryan Nettles walks, bases loaded, one out, and Jacob Turner gets a pop out and a strikeout. So for the second straight game, the first inning, Richmond leaves the bases loaded, and when they leave the bases loaded, they put across two runs, and you feel like St. Clair survived. They're not hemorrhaging water yet. They, they, hit, they hit some rough patches, but they can still survive, and it didn't take them long to bounce back. Bottom of the first, Cam Bleasdale walks. Eli Lore strikes out, then a walk from Cramp, a RBI single from Brendan Cole. Big, and that gives him a little bit of life. Logan Ellis bounces out, and a wild pitch scored another run. So it's 3-2 to two St. Clair. So you went from the Richmond side, going nuts. We're up 2 to nothing. We They haven't even batted yet. We're on top to, oh, my God, we just blew a 2 nothing lead in one inning. And now St. Clair's side is electric. And the second inning, Richmond can't score a run. It was, they, they went down technically one, two, three. Hitzelberger got caught stealing. Yeah. So they only faced three batters. Um, St. Clair got runners into scoring position, couldn't do anything with them. Then in the third, Richmond started to hit again. Timing up Jacob Turner a bit. Single from Perinello, hit by a pitch, error, walk, single. Fielder's choice drives in a run, hit batter, and now it's 5-3 to three, Richmond. Blue Devil side all up. The, both dugouts were allowed all game. Again, not a lot of love lost between these two teams. Just going crazy. So St. Clair, what do they do in the bottom of the inning? They answer right back. Jared Cramp leads off with a triple. Good way to start. Brendan Cole, again, singles him in. A walk and an error lead to a uh, RBI ground out from Connor Shirky. 
And it's 5-5, and now St. Clair's going insane, and Richmond's going, did we just blow another lead? <laughs> it's, it's incredible. By the way, in the top half of the inning, for the second time in three innings, Richmond had left the bases loaded. So what happens in the top of the fourth? Joe Perinello gets the third. Ryan Nettles gets the second. Bryce Wesley gets the first. They leave the bases loaded without scoring a run. So three times in four innings, Richmond strands the bases loaded. They leave nine runners on base in four innings. And you're thinking, if they lose this game, that's going to be the stat that just haunts the dreams of Blue Devils fans. Richmond, in the top of the fifth, was able to come back and get a couple runs. Started off, Denny Saligan reached on an error, a single plus another error in the outfield helped Ben Hitzelberger get on, score Saligan. He would later come around to score. So it's 7-5. to five. St. Clair can't answer this time in the bottom of the fifth. They go down 1-2-3. And I forgot to mention, after the first inning, Skyler Lowers came in. And he's only given up two earned runs this whole time, keep in mind. So he's actually pitching fairly well. And, well, he settled down in the sixth. Fly out, ground out, fly out. And you're going, Saint Cl- he's retired eight in a row. St. Clair's in trouble. They have only one more at bat to get two more runs in a game that had been wild errors, doubles, great plays. Calls that made Coach's head explodes. Uh, and <laughs> now it's 7-5, to five and you're getting what you kind of expected, a low-scoring pitcher's duel. After Jacob Turner came out, Logan Ellis came in the last couple innings. He kept the ship steady for St. Clair, kept the deficit right where it's at. And then in the bottom of the seventh, Brendan Cole bounces out. Now he hits a ground ball, a slow roller. Pitcher picks it up, throws to first. It was a bang-bang play that he got called out on. Again, I'm in the booth. I'm not right there. If I was in the booth, or if I was, on, if I was making the call from the booth, I should say, I think I call him safe. So you get the leadoff man on instead of him going out. And it's Cole. He's got a lot of speed. Yeah, that changes things, but he's called out. Then... Logan Ellis hits a line drive right to the center fielder, Saligan. Two away. Peyton Ellis gets hit by a pitch, and Jacob Turner comes on to pinch hit. He battles, he battles. Fly ball, center field, caught. Game over, 7-5. Richmond wins a wild game, and this will definitely be, well, it should be, one of our top ten games of the year. It was wild, it was unbelievable, but Richmond comes out and beats St. Clair in an absolute barn burner of a game where both coaches and both benches probably had the roller coaster of emotions from we're winning this district there's no way we're losing to <laughs> there's no way we're coming back three different times and that's again the, this is what you want when you get the big rivalry game and this is we, we had the question who's the best team in the area and and, and it, at one point like if we did rankings like we do for football there would have been times this year where I would have had St. Clair over Richmond and times in the year where I had Richmond over St. Clair. And so it's nice to get this game and say one team beat the other. I will say neither side played their best baseball, which is, the I guess, the small disappointment of the whole thing of 
you know that this game could have been so much cleaner. Yeah, but, but that's that's what you get though. The emotion right. factors into it, and it affects. Sometimes the game. you can get too amped up for a game. Sometimes yeah. you're and you're going to make mistakes. Then yeah, and whew, this as a neutral observer, this was a really fun game. I couldn't imagine having a stake in this game and just the. Like I'm sure some people wearing their Apple watches or what have you, their heart rates are going up and, and just staying <laughs> up and then goes down and spikes back up. And it was just a wild game that Richmond and Skylar Lowers really was quietly the MVP of that game because after that third inning, he didn't give up a run and he retired. Let's see, what is this? After they intentionally walked Brendan Cole, which St. Clair left the bases loaded in the bottom of the fifth, too. Um, he retired, that would be nine, so that's 10, 12 of the last 13, 11 of the last 12, somewhere in that range. Against in a game where it felt like it was a race to 15, 12 or 15. <laughs> Seriously, yeah. after the third inning, I'm going, if you're not getting to double digits, you're losing this game. And it was just a wild game, and Richmond gets the win on home turf, and they move on to a regional semifinal at Richmond where they will see a very familiar face. Yeah, they're going to see a league opponent, Croslex. Uh, by the way, seven is Nick Monzo. Uh, Croslex beat Imlay City 18-5 to in the first uh, semifinal game. Nick Monzo pitched that game. Nick Monzo pitched that game. That's why that came up during the break. Uh, and then Yale shut down North Branch 4 to nothing in a game that really intrigued me, uh, and now I'm, I'm really yeah. intrigued by that score. Yeah, you look, uh, yeah, so you said Yale wins, and it was Duty versus Kovac. Duty went six innings, gave up five hits, but four earned runs. So the hits came at the right time. Didn't walk anyone, but hit four batters. So essentially four free passes. Yeah, and 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 Duty's good. He's part of that triple-headed yeah, thing that, that they Cerebus got going there. Pitching staff. Yeah, but uh, I, I, um, I, I just like I, – I thought Mitchell or uh, – and I can't think Primo. of the – Primo. I thought one of them would pitch this game and the other would, would pitch if they got to the finals. Kovac went seven innings, gave up just three hits, walked four, struck out five. That's the difference. North Branch also made two errors. Yeah, and then Croslex beat Yale in the final five to one. Um, and so the Pioneers end up having themselves a real good day. Uh, and this was a, a team that, like, we, we knew they'd lost two great pitchers from the and I year think before, nine total seniors. They lost yeah. some big bats as well. But we still like preseason. We're like, okay, Crosslex is going to be part of the mix, and it became obvious really early on in the season that they weren't. And we kind of wrote them off a bit, but they got better as the year went on. You remember they in one of the games against Richmond, they 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 got I think shellacked in one game, and the second game they battled with them, and then. They well, they had swept Almont. They had they jumped up and they nipped Algonac, and that was really the first time we went. Okay, did Algonac just buzz off that game, or is Cross Lex starting to do something? Because they all, then they had the series with Armada, where they beat they lost on a walk off in the first game. That's right, and then beat them the second game. And you're going, okay, they beat Algonac, they beat Armada, they had a close game with Richmond. 
maybe Croslex is starting to mature a little and figure yeah. this out. And I saw them against Marine City, and that was a, a 2-2 game midway through, and Marine City ended up pulling out a 4-2 win. But that was a really good ball game, really well pitched. That That's kind of when Ian Katelski got on my radar uh, as a guy out there who's who's got a, a decent arm. Um, and, and I also saw, you know, that Hosterman is legit. Like, well, at one point this season, he was hitting 500, wasn't he? Yeah. <laughs> Come He's on. Still hitting over 400. Uh, you have it right in front of you. Who's number 21? Because on the game changer. That's Katowski. Yeah, he pitched. He went six innings, gave up just one hit, struck out four. He also had three hits at the plate. Uh, they threw Jack Cavanaugh. He went four and two-thirds, gave up th- uh, three earned runs. He walked five, and Coraldin was the one that came in in relief. Croslex smacked across 10 hits, but you throw a one-hitter in a district championship game combined because then Hosterman came in to close, that's a recipe for success. Yeah, and, and Yale's not a bad hitting team. No, which I think we both, we might have said this on our last show, but we thought the winner of the North Branch Yale game was going to be the favorite over, we presumed, Croslex. Yeah. But Cross-Lex, that's a nice win, and that's a nice way to grow a young team. Now they have to go play Richmond. Oh, boy. But that's a familiar face. Yeah, again. It, it can work two ways. It can work two ways. Sometimes when you play a team that like Richmond, who has established itself as one of the better programs, not in the area but in the state, you go, oh, God, them again. There's no way. Or you get the really hungry teams that go, yes, game. we almost had them the last time. We can do this. We have our fresh arm. We know what we're doing. We can knock them off and end their run right here. Well, There's also a familiarity to it. It's like nothing that happens on Wednesday will surprise you because you go to Richmond every year. And and play them there. You you go and and you play them two times every season. There's just that familiarity, and so sometimes I think it can take away the intimidation. And the other thing is, is like Richmond goes, oh yeah, we beat these guys already this year, and maybe you're not as focused as you should. Maybe right. you're already thinking about Saturday. Now I know Coach Evans will crack the whip on that real quick. <laughs> yeah, but. You know, they're teenage kids. They're thinking, oh, where where do we play Saturday? Where we got to go? <laughs> yeah, how long does it take to get to Saginaw? But is that a long bus ride? But I Croslex. I don't want to say they're playing with house money, but I don't think, especially a month ago, we expected them to be there. And if they win, they have no pressure. If they lose. Okay, they lost to a team that they already played twice and lost to, and no one outside of Cross Lex, and probably not even everyone at Cross Lex is expecting them to win that game. It's, but you get one hot arm, Dennis. We've seen it before. We almost saw it. Algonac's run almost ended before it got started when when um, Hunsicker, yeah, threw a gem against them. It took a walk off squeeze in the seventh. Yeah, and they lit him up the first time they they saw him in the regular season. It just takes one good afternoon and, and Croslex would have been my third pick to win that district and they won the district I'll be honest yeah me too yeah I, pro- I probably would have picked North Branch if we're being honest yeah I, I would have gone North Branch then Yale then Croslex 
And had Emily City won the district, I would have just quit. <laughs> okay. Anyway. Sorry, Spartans, but come on. We um, won one game this year. No right. surprise. Well, uh, let me just real quick. Right. Sandusky beat Cass City 10-9 and then lost to Bad Axe 8-5. to and Bad Axe is Algonac's next opponent. Yeah, so we they ruined a possible Sandusky-Algonac game, which would have made your decision to where to go on Wednesday a lot easier. And also making your decision tough is Mar. we said Marlette had already lost. That wasn't played on Friday. They were playing the winner of the district, I believe it was in KPAC. And yep. to, to absolutely nobody's surprise, Cardinal Mooney went in there and walked their way through the district. Listen to these scores, though, Okay. KPAC 14, Peck 5, Cardinal Mooney 14, Dryden 5, Cardinal Mooney 13, KPAC 5. Yeah, so the other teams could <laughs> hit a little bit, but Mooney hit a lot. Mooney, Mooney hit a lot, and, uh, and Mooney, they needed one more run, and we could have had three 14-5 games. Right, and Mooney has some unfinished business, and they take care of the first step, winning their district, which for a program, again, that about, what, four or five years ago was – almost dead is now a district title is seems almost commonplace that it's expected yeah that's i just want to put that in perspective because go back and look at cardinal mooney circa 20 i don't know 17 16 see what their baseball program looked like then compared to now yeah, they've, they've done a great job. They're going to head to uh, Mayville on uh, Wednesday and play a Kingston team that, you know, knocked off a Marlette team that made it to the semifinals last year. Yeah, by the way, if you're curious, Kingston number 15 in Division Four, according to the court, coaches pool. Mooney is at number nine. So that's where they stand right now. And, well, we think Mooney should be the favorite, but – we again you look across the state i talked about how liggett lost and how country day lost and in d1 it doesn't really affect us but grand blank a team that coming into the weekend was number four in the state loses to an unranked fenton team it takes one good day from a pitcher to end a run and that's why it's the craziest time of the year but it's also the most fun like in foot the football playoffs let's say we get 10 playoff teams you have a pretty good idea what about eight of the results will be until you get to the district finals. And even then, you have a decent idea. Yeah. Baseball, like if Marysville would have beat St. Clair, would it have been an upset? Yes. Would it have been huge? Yes. But would it have been the most unimaginable thing ever? No. Because we knew Marysville had an arm or two that if it was hot, could have beat St. Clair. Yeah. One other district I want to give the scores to. Uh, Ubley beat uh, CPS 10 nothing. Harbor Beach beat North Huron 11-4, and that meant a Harbor Beach-Ubley uh, final, and, you know, they love each other so much, and they had a great game. Harbor Beach ended up winning 2-1, to one, uh, and so Beach wins a district, and uh, they're on to a uh, regional uh, or a pre-regional game coming up uh, on Wednesday. That's baseball. Our, our show Wednesday will be a look at the pre-regionals for baseball, and, and then our Friday show will be a look at the girls' regionals, and the boys, we hope we've got a lot of teams going to the Super Saturday thing that I don't like. Yeah, because as of right now, there are, what, six options for us to go to potentially on Saturday Yeah, if all our area teams win, which is a good thing because 
We like when our area teams do well. It's a bad thing because there are going to be six teams playing, actually seven, and we can only cover up to three. Yeah, two, three games. Or two, three teams. And we're going to have to leave someone out, and we wrote it up on the board, and there's a great reason to go to every single one. Yeah, absolutely. But anyways, it's been a long uh, show, but we had a lot to cover, uh, and uh, we had a lot of fun with the uh, districts, and we're going to have a lot of fun with the uh, the regionals. Uh, and uh, unless you got something else to add, I'm going to hit the close. Golf out in June 25th. From Port Huron to Marysville and St. Clair to Marine City, the Blue Water Area is Stuck on Sports.